Hi, this is Darren Dockerman, one half of the Inglorious Trexperts, and we just want to encourage you to not only listen to the Inglorious Trexperts, but also listen to our sister podcasts, the 430 Movie and The Rebel and the Rogue and The Best Movies Never Made. We have so much for you to listen to on the Electric Surge Network, so give it a listen. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. If you're a Star Trek fan who thinks you know everything about the history of Star Trek, think again. Check out Ed Gross and my new best-selling two-volume oral history of Star Trek from St. Martin's Press, The 50-Year Mission, available wherever books, digital, and audiobooks are sold. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Welcome to the 430 movie. This week, it's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles Week on the 430 movie. Hello, I'm Mark A. Altman. I'm one of your co-hosts of the 430 movie, where we curate fantasy theme weeks of classic films. And joining me, as always, our co-host, Stephen Melching. And the car goes... Beep, 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 beep. And the car goes. <laughs> Darren Doctorman. <laughs> Ashley was, Edward Miller. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. So, plane trains and all movies. What, what's this all about? Is it a tribute to the John Hughes classic? No, it actually, plane trains and automobiles, it's November. And this is a time a lot of people travel for the holidays. Right, sure. We thought it'd be interesting to do a week of classic movies either set on trains, planes, air, that's airplanes to you, oh. or automobiles. Not like a flat cars. surface so, right, that uh, people stand on. Basically what makes a film eligible to take uh, to, in this theme week is uh, it, it involves a, a plane or planes. Um, or it takes place on a train. <laughs> on a train or trains. <laughs> or in a kindergarten, no, or apparently. With a goat or in a boat. <laughs> Can we start over, Bill? <laughs> anyway. So, so wait a minute. You're saying it's a plane, a train, or an automobile? Or does it have to be all three? You don't have to hit the trifecta. This is not okay. an EGOT thing. All right. This, is, this is just one of one of them. You can pick one. It could be two, you know. It could be, you know, or it could be, you know, uh, Mad, Mad, Mad World. You don't you have hit to all have three. the full PTA. <laughs> you don't have to have a royal flush. No, you don't. So anyway, although this episode may get the royal flush. Oh, uh, okay. That give me idea. Anyway, welcome. Welcome, welcome. So Monday. Are you first of all, let me ask you, Steve, what are you doing for the holidays? Uh, I'm staying in town. I'm uh I'm fortunate that uh I have a lot of family locally, so um and it's more convenient for my mom to uh, travel to LA than for us to And she to flies. Uh, she'll drive. She'll actually. drive. Yeah, oh, she's okay. in Phoenix, so it's it's an easy drive and she doesn't have to deal with all the, the it's probably takes less time to drive to LA from Phoenix than to go to the airport and park and wait for security and wait for your plane and fly and blah blah. And what about you, Darren? You don't like to fly, you take a boat, right? I've never taken a boat, actually. I hate boats. Um, <laughs> I hate everything they represent. Um, <laughs> Never forgiven that for the death of my boy. No, actually, um, when when people are listening to this, uh, I will be in uh, northern New York uh, with William Shatner, and he will be uh, supposedly deep-frying turkeys Yum. for Trexgiving. God is Why'd my they... witness. I thought turkeys could fly. Why? <laughs> Why did they just use replicators? 
<laughs> they don't have replicators because, on the Enterprise. Because in the future, people will uh, enjoy the uh, wonderment of uh, cooking their own food. And uh, uh, some people enjoy uh, that process. And so we're not going to take that away from them. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're in deep fried turkey. That's good stuff. Yeah, That's what I hear. Well, particularly I've when never it's shatterized. Deep fried. Yeah. It's been shatterized for your uh, comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I'm looking forward to that. So. That's going to be great. So this is your third time going to see Shatner in the uh, Trekonderoga. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, on the sets. It's interesting that he's choosing to spend his Thanksgiving uh, in- um, Well, it's the week before the week, Thanksgiving. The week before so Thanksgiving, it's, right. It's Trexgiving. So right. it's not really Thanksgiving, but we're going to act like And he's it a godless Canadian, so- Well, that's right. His Thanksgiving's in October. His Thanksgiving's yeah. in October, so yeah, yeah. he's- You know, it's all, it's all good, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he dives into life, so- I, I'm looking forward to experiencing that. We have to, you know what we have to do one of these days? We have to do Bill Shatner week here on the 430 movie. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that'd be a fun one. It's you fine know. with me. I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. But it should be Bill Shatner week. opportunity to talk with about no Bill Star Shatner. Trek. With no Star Trek. Absolutely, yeah. with no Star Trek, yeah. It would have to be uh, uh, movies that don't have star in them. Trackless. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're completely trackless. So, uh, and what about you, Ashley? Where are you headed for the holidays? Are you traveling? Uh... Let me tell you something, my friend. Um... Once upon a time, I uh, I might have traveled for the holidays, and um, when we had one child, we continued to travel for the holidays. But I I learned a lesson two years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would rather um, I don't know. I guess shave my buttocks with a cheese grater than fly <laughs> across country with a pair of toddlers. Um, so we're going to be staying. At home and letting Thanksgiving come to us. If you have the actual experience of shaving your backside with a cheese grater to make this judgment correct. I would rather try it out. Okay. All right. (laughs) Because I know what it's like to get on a plane with two toddlers. Right. One of whom has a weak stomach. Weak constitution. Mm. Understood. I had to save a woman. I had to die like I was going on top of a grenade. Well, I mean, if I have my druthers, I will be going to Alderaan because uh, I'm hoping- Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping to get down to Disney this this uh, this oh. November to oh, check yes. out the uh, the edge of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, well, it has absolutely nothing to do with Alderaan, okay. so you'll you'll be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I'll go on Star Tours. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you know all flights to Alderaan have been canceled. Looking for fun and in Alderaan places. Opening, I believe, in <laughs> January. Uh, uh, as long as I don't have to go to freaking Endor, I'll be very happy. Uh, okay. So. Um, Plane, trains, and automobiles week. Um, As always, we start on Monday with Steve Melching, and it'll be interesting. Will he pick a plane? Will he pick a train? Will he pick (laughs) an automobile? A motor car. Uh, Tucker, a man in his dreams. This is such a huge category. When I started thinking about it, I I was kind of, you know, doing my usual making lists of movies to to think about what I might want to program. And, you know, at first I thought, there can't be that many of these. And then I kept finding more and more and more like oh that's a good one that's a good mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. but uh i settled on a movie that uh is automobile centric all right it's a movie that um stars a 1958 chevrolet impala oh boy a 1932 deuce coupe okay a 1955 chevrolet sport coupe all right a 1967 citroen 2cv that's french for lemon a, a 1951 Mercury 8, a 1956 Ford Thunderbird, mm. and a Vespa scooter. Italian job? 
I'm talking, of course, American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Oh. Yeah, George Lucas. George Lucas's uh, uh, second film mm-hmm. as a, a director, uh, 1973, right. uh, written by Lucas and Willard Hike and Gloria Katz, produced by Francis Ford Coppola, hmm. and uh, edited by Marsha Lucas and the great Verna Fields. Yeah. And for course, a short Marsha time, Lucas is great also. The most successful movie of all time it beat the exorcist uh, yeah in terms of uh profit uh uh pure profit i Mm -hmm. believe it was right produced for seven hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars yeah yeah and it made over a hundred million i believe so uh and pure purely in terms of profit ratio i think it's the most profitable movie ever made um uh walter murch did the sound design on it and you may know him from hackman fever week (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he, uh, Lucas was able to put together this great cast, Richard Dreyfus, Ron Howard, Paul Lamatt, uh, Charles Martin Smith, Cindy Williams, Candy Clark, Mackenzie Phillips, Suzanne Somers, Harrison Ford, and, of course, the Wolfman. Yeah, Wolfman Man Jack. Jack. So this is one of those movies Who where- also all... started in uh, Galactica 1980. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Sorry. In the Night to Cylons landed <laughs> episode, in case you were wondering- mm. There's the a, uh, Cylons need to get to Wolfman Jack in order to send a signal to warn others where <laughs> the Cylons were Earth that they found Earth in one of the most dopey episodes of all time in the history of television. But that's another story. But we Start. loved it because it was all we had. You know how they did. You know how they disabled the Cylons in that episode with a microwave oven because they were bringing uh, Swedish meatballs to. Um, uh, a party, and they realized that the microwaves disabled the silent centurion who um, was at the Halloween party because this is true, I'm not making this up because uh, they thought it was Halloween, so they picked up uh, the Cylons on the side of the road and brought them to a party. Um, it wasn't John Hillerman, whoa, it was, whoa. yeah. And so at the Halloween party, they put the meatballs in a microwave, and the microwave disables the silent centurion with its microwaves. Did I disrail, disrail, derail us again? No, I Is did. It? Oh. <laughs> I'm just sitting here slack-jawed uh, I, re- remembering this episode. Two-part I, episode. Yeah. yeah. I, wow. it's, it's Written amazing. by Glenn Larson himself. <laughs> <laughs> Night to Silence Land. I'd watch it every Halloween. Okay, so American Griffin. <laughs> A lot of driving in this movie. There is. But uh, they don't really go anywhere. Because they're cruising. They're don't driving they? up and down. Are they cruising for a bruising? Don't they drive into their future? No. We do. Okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so American Graffiti. Why right. is American Graffiti such a great and beloved movie? Well, it's 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 interesting. It's one of those movies. It came out in 1973. It takes place in 1962, so it's only right. like what a you know an 11 year difference, and that would be like you know today. You know, here we are recording this in 2019, making a movie about those long lost wistful days of 2008. Right. <laughs> but it's really an elegy for the 50s and yeah. car culture right, and right. A particularly uh, um, personal to George Lucas yeah. because it's about Modesto and it's about his experience growing up and uh, his obsession with cars. And as most of us who are George Lucas uh, interested in George Lucas's career know, he had a horrible car accident in which yeah. he was almost killed. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, cars were his passion as a young man, and still are. He still collects cars. I think he may own a couple, still own a couple of the cars from American Graffiti. I, I right. remember one of the last times I was at Skywalker Ranch, they were getting ready to do a, a special screening of American Graffiti, and they had a couple of the cars mm. on display up there. And uh, he has the license plate, the THX one three eight license right. plate, uh, in the in the curio cabinet in the main house. Um, but um, 
Yeah, it really is an elegy for uh, days gone gone past because by 1973, you know, the United States had been undergoing a kind Through of a tremendous upheaval. upheaval. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the counterculture movement, the Vietnam War, and and uh, you know all that. Uh, it was a very tumultuous time. We yes, political assassinations. You know, JFK and RFK and Martin Luther King, and um, it, it was a very different country. Uh, in 1973. But you know what's interesting, Steve? I mean, people talk now about how we're overly nostalgic for the past. I mean, look at us. I mean, all we do is talk about stuff from that we grew up on, right, on these shows, the Inglorious Trexperts, on this 4-3 movie. And yet, you look at this movie from 1973, it's very nostalgic about its past. So, yeah. I mean, it's not something I think that's necessarily just true of people today listening to 80s music. No, or it's not a modern phenomenon. I mean, th- this movie would not have been as incredibly popular and successful as it was if there wasn't a deep hunger for this and and it was hugely influential i mean i i you know don't think we would have have had happy days mm-hmm. without this no. movie. oh clearly not well I the mean, whole resurgence of 50s nostalgia yeah. in the 70s happened because of this movie right and 50s diners right you know we're yeah. everywhere i mean you you could you know now you don't see it as much but yeah. i mean growing up and it really through the 90s yeah um 50s diners were Everywhere with the jukeboxes and, um, you know, just everything looking like like that baby boomer nostalgia, you know, as they came of age and and had money and and sort of took over the culture. They Mm -hmm. remade it in their nostalgic image, you know. Well, it's interesting because there's a companion movie to this and that's the last picture show. Yes. They are. They they tackle very similar ideas. Um, I will say that I think American Graffiti is the happier of the two. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's and it's philosophy. certainly more celebratory than uh, uh, wistful. Um, but uh, I think it's a it's an interesting look at uh, the time in 62 where the society in Modesto was actually a little behind the times mm-hmm, as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, because it is taking place in 62 and but it's actually looking back to the 50s right right because the society in modesto hadn't changed that much since the 50s well, well sorry, i kind of think that um and this is at risk of getting perhaps too philosophical that i think nostalgia is a very natural um phenomenon is it's a very natural process i think it's actually an important one i, I think that we all engage in it generation after after generation because it's important to remember history. It's important to set that history. Because without it, we only have present. And if we right. only have present, then we have basically we nothing. Have, we have no measurement of how we have changed. That's right. And we are constantly in this process of assessing ourselves. Just mm-hmm. like I think, you know, American Graffiti is more about, um, it, it's about more than just the cars. Yeah. You know, it is about um, who those kids were at right. that time and who they were going to become and, mm-hmm. and what uh, Lucas thought of them. Um, you know, I first saw, I had this interesting journey with this movie. I saw it first when I was a very small lad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father wanted to see it. He took the whole family. Uh, we went to see it in the theater. I was like five years old at the time. And I remember we got to the scene where they got mooned. <laughs> And then my mom wanted to go. So we all left. And so then I watched it uh, when I was in college, and I thought it was really good. But I had the privilege of seeing it on the big screen at the Arclight, mm-hmm. AFI. Um, mm-hmm. Arclight presents one of those things. And um, I was actually blown away by it. Like, I mean, it was it's an incredibly moving 
little film. Um, it's deeply personal. I mean, it's beautifully made. It's incredibly well acted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I mean, I kind of walked out of there thinking, holy God, what happened to George Lucas between American Graffiti and the Phantom Menace. What happened? Because, and I don't mean that, I mean, not to just throw shade at, at Phantom Menace. That's like, you know, it doesn't Deaver matter. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, the, it's more that George Lucas in American Graffiti truly directs the actors in those films. He truly brings out these these textured performances that draw you in and they feel so real and they don't have to. And then by the time he's in The Phantom Menace, he's like saying, well, just talk to the broomstick. You know, I mean, what but the hell happened? It's interesting. Listen, listening to the actors who were in American Graffiti talk about George Lucas's directing process, they say it's pretty much stayed the same. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That it was a lot more of, um, uh, okay, do it again, but better. <laughs> Do you prefer the special edition of American Graffiti or the original American Graffiti, Steve? Gosh, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I will. I, I, think I, I watched the, the you know the the Blu-ray. That's the yeah. Know, that that's has the, the special the special edition. Yeah. It has the matte painting at the beginning yeah. with the sky behind uh, the diner. Uh, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what the other changes the are. Change. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the Jabba the Hutt scene just really didn't belong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know. the Death Star blowing up yeah. looked pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, another still fire first. Kind of sort of groundbreaking thing that this movie did was its use of music and, yes. and kind of creating this sort of jukebox, mm-hmm. you know, experience. I, I think in this one, Terry the Toad shoots first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, you know, I have to say. Um, you know, I actually think it's a quite a good movie. I prefer Last Picture Show, but that's because, you know, I, I don't have an obsession with cars the way I do with Sybil Shepherd. Um, <laughs> but um, I, so I could relate to it more. But um, I do think that um, it's really interesting because the marketing campaign was where were you in 62? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what Darren said, I think, is very accurate in the sense that this was it was a little behind the times. So this is really a movie about the 50s and not about 62 because, of course, 62 was the year of the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's the year yeah. Dr. No came out. It's the year Jackie Onassis gave the tour of the White House. So right. things were changing dramatically in 62, and I, it, it made the, the very rife for nostalgia because right. – the Cold War was heating up in, in, in many ways, and so people were very nostalgic about the 50s. So it absolutely is sort of inaccurate to say, where were you in 62? Because it really was about, where were you in 57? You know, right. is really what that movie is about. Because by, you know, early 60s, you know, car culture, at least, you know, in the urban, more urban place, is not really as as it, like it was in the 50s. It's, it's a very interesting, but it's a really terrific movie. And it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, Lucas wasn't any more of an articulate director, which doesn't say he wasn't an inspired director, because he was um, then than he was with Star Wars. And I don't know if it was just the alchemy of that cast or whatever, but it's a much more, you know, it's a very nuanced movie. And, and it's a very, it's a much warmer movie than something like THX 1138, which is so austere and cold. Well, and and you can watch American Graffiti and really, you know, see like George Lucas's um, visual style is very much present in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's an underrated director when it comes to his compositions and his yeah. his you know how how he frames shots and how he builds scenes. And you know, he was someone who came out of USC Film School in a very experimental. You know, he's a very experimental filmmaker. His right. films were by and large, you know 
these crazy animations or montages. He right. was very interested in, in editing and sound montage. Most of the time, and... unintelligible. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. I mean, THX is a very strong, well-directed movie. Star Wars is particularly well-directed. Yeah. I think the reason he doesn't get more respect as a director is because by the time the the, the, the prequel trilogy comes, he's, it's, it's, he's making it with computers. And it's also that kind of old man's thing. It's like you lack the vigor to reinvent the medium well, and, those and, movies were like American Graffiti, Star Wars. Those movies were on their feet. And you look at what happens between um, those films and when you get into the prequels and suddenly it's, you know, it's it's shot very much like go back and watch Attack of the Clones sometimes. It's shot like television. Look, it's it's all about the uh, creative power of restrictions. Right. Yes. And yes. his early movies had nothing but restrictions. Yeah. And it shows how brilliant he was at overcoming those. And... Um, and uh, making a a great film with these barriers that he had to face. And as those barriers were lifted later in his career, he became, I'm not going to say more, he became lazy, but he became uh, less focused. Well, he figured also he could fix anything in post. Right, right. So right. he relied on that. So it was like, oh, if that shot isn't perfect, we'll just move on and, and we'll fix it. And that's I would not say that he's true. very good at thinking on his feet and not very good at second guessing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I won't. I won't comment on that. But <laughs> I, 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 because I, I know a lot of people that work with him directly sure. later in his career on on the t- television shows, and and that he was, you know, incredibly uh, gifted as a storyteller, and and um, I, I, and I don't disagree with that. But absolutely. Anyway, back to American Graffiti. I mean, it's one of those movies that I think still holds up today because it's dealing with themes that still resonate with sure. any audience. Any young person can watch this film. And you're going to be even the times maybe, you know, 50 plus years removed, but we're, you know, you're still dealing with, you know, young people on the cusp of adulthood and, and you know, yes, moving into a new phase of their life. I'm and, not necessarily sure about that as to whether this movie speaks to the, you know, teenagers of this time. Mm. Because of the way that society works now and the connectivity of cell phones and things like that and basically the, uh, you know, hookup culture of swiping right, yeah. you know. That's interesting. Think, you know, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. But I'm not sure. Adult, we have a different definition of adulthood now. I think we have a kind of an extended adolescence today that we didn't have in the in the 60s and 70s. Right, it ends around 40, I think. Well, you got yeah. married a lot earlier and mm-hmm. you would have to support your family. You left you, home right, yeah, and you and didn't come back. I yeah. mean, right. I, the times were different. You could you could yeah. afford to to leave home and not come. You get a job that could support yourself. But you're you're different. There were just different expectations of an 18 or a 20 year old. Well, and That's also true, it wasn't two income families because now yeah. most of the time you have both, you know, the, the man isn't the breadwinner. The man and the woman generally both work. And it's a very different dynamic than back would, in the 50s. I would love to see the reaction of an, uh, you know, a uh, under 20 audience to American Graffiti. Where are the phones? Today. Why well, aren't they texting? Why are they going to keep eating? Right. There's, there's another <laughs> aspect of all this that we're not quite talking about, which is that to me, the emotional resonance of American Graffiti came down to, look, this is like the last night that these guys are all going to be together, Yeah. right? Yep. That their lives are changing completely. They're going to go different directions, and they don't know how to talk to each other about like what direction you know their life is going to go and the kind of choices that they're making. And it's not that 
you know, the what they're struggling with is tomorrow I'm going to leave home and I'm not going to live with my parents yeah. anymore. It's uh, I am putting myself into a state of social upheaval. And even in a world where we have social media, where we have Twitter and Facebook and kids can kind of talk to each other. And we I mean, my God, my I'm not going to tell you what number it is. My high school reunion is this weekend and I'm missing it uh, where we can always connect. I, I think that it's it's universal to sort of feel that that moment of my life is about to change I'm about to move on my relationships are going to be different and I'm going to miss you and I don't know how to tolerate it's more that, than or process that. that it's more than that I think this goes to the point that he's making about this not being as relatable today because those people were faced a lot of them going to war going right. to Vietnam right. right so it's not just like I'm leaving my friends and going on to the next chapter I may be leaving my life you right. know I may not come back well to this. and as we saw from the epilogue that's precisely what happened it's that's really right. kind of a downbeat ending because yeah. they all go their separate ways and then you get the little text coming on screen and one character is killed right. in a car crash one yeah. character is MIA in Vietnam one character fled to Canada right right and then you have the epilogue more American graffiti yeah which is kind of an interesting movie I, I think I'll never saw it once but it had some interesting stuff in it well it, you know and that's where we go back to the audaciousness of George Lucas this is a movie that would never get made today. I mean, it's complete. Has nothing to do with the first movie in a sense. It, he's he's taking a risk. Could, it would have been very easy to tell kind of the same story, you know, and just keep it simple. And what the people loved about the first movie, repeat it. And you know, it, it kind of is obviously not as effective. The Empire Strikes Back of the American Graffiti franchise because it goes in a completely different direction. It's much darker and and it doesn't necessarily work. But it's still very audacious, which is, you know, Lucas in the 70s was an incredibly audacious filmmaker. And you could say in the 80s as well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say in the 90s, but we would disagree about that. So um, it's really re- remarkable. I mean, that's why, there, you know, there's no diminishing the fact that he is a giant, not just because of Star Wars, but uh, a, a giant in this in, in, in filmmaking. And, and, and he's a giant in the reformation of Hollywood. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, just a brilliant creative mind. Um, and storyteller. So, okay, that's a great choice. American Graffiti to start us off. Um, Tuesday. Tuesday, I, I, I'd been bouncing back and forth between uh, two choices. I'm only going to mention the one that I actually choose and oh, save the other one. Oh, apparently you did not take my no, cue. No, I, I, I don't. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, the serious take on this. Uh, from 1970, Airport. Ah. <laughs> um, it is a. Sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Yeah, neither could I, baby. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, it's. Yes. <laughs> None of us could quite hear him. We thought he said airport. <laughs> no way. That's really funny. It is a. It's a throwback movie um, before the throwback movies were happening. It's it's certainly a, a representative of old Hollywood mm-hmm. in that it is a star-studded cast of everyone they could find to... Uh, they could prop up. To, to, yeah, to, to get in this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, when you look at it next to um, uh, my other... Uh, my other choice, which would have been Airplane, mm. um, which is the comedy uh, take on this. Um, it is actually extremely funny in itself when it's being completely serious. Mm. And all these, you know, horrible uh, events, uh, you know, conspire to 
create a serious situation for an airplane landing uh, at, a, at, at an airport. There is uh, a terrorist threat on the plane, and um, a, a crazy man has a bomb. And Sonny uh, Bono. Yes. It's not Sonny Bono, though. No, that was an uh, airplane. Yes, that was an airplane. <laughs> um, but, but you see, in my mind, they're the same movie. Yeah, yeah. Because the airplane actually is very much, I mean, they, they take all their cues the, from their, that. The visual style is exactly the same, yeah. and they did that on purpose. Um, but it's just so many, uh, uh, you know, highfalutin uh, actors and actresses in this are playing their hearts out in this kind of silly setup. Uh, where everything goes wrong, and and we we are with the the manager, you know, the manager of the airport. Um, <laughs> Very as, important as man. If, as if this is an actual thing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you, you know his problems at home, and he has to deal with you know spending too much time at work and not giving enough attention to his the wife. Soap and he's got, elements, the yeah. soap opera elements are so yeah. uh, are so ludicrous, but it's played completely straight and. Um, we spend our time uh, on the plane with the pilots and uh, and the passengers, and they're slowly discovering what's happening with their flight, and then uh, horribly dramatic things happen, and and disaster, and uh, snakes, <laughs> just just sort of snakes, um, and it's uh, it's crazy, and it, it basically it basically starts with. Uh, uh, George Kennedy as this uh, as this ground uh, uh, ground traffic manager um, who is trying to get an airplane that took too sharp of a turn on one of the uh, runways and is basically stuck in the snow, mm-hmm. and it's ludicrous. <laughs> and um, this is the first one; they get progressively more. No, yeah. <laughs> Mike Brady Absolutely. crashes into the mountains. Absolutely, like somebody else goes underwater. But this like, this plane is stuck is stuck in the in this rut basically uh, on the edge of a of a uh, their their main runway and they can't land any planes there uh, and unfortunately this is the only runway long enough to accept the landing of this plane that is up there that is in danger and they need to emergency land it's it's a crazy story and it's a crazy movie but uh, I just watched it a couple weeks ago and man it's it's a it's looking into a different time and it's fascinating. Yeah, because I mean, here's here's some of the cast. I mean, yeah. George Kennedy, you talked about Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster, you is know. The... <laughs> I mean, Dean Martin, Darren Black. I mean, it's just well, Dean, Dean Martin is the pilot on the plane. Right. Well, that was oh, back. Boy, that, there's your well, problem. I would get yeah. I see Dean uh, Martin. Yeah, the that's I'm exactly out of there. the problem. <laughs> oh, Chuck Heston, of course. I mean, and then you talk about the end of an era. Helen Hayes at the end of yeah. her career. Van Heflin. Yeah. You know, and then at the beginning of her career, Jackie, Jackie Bissett. Oh my God, Gene Seberg was in it. Who's that? Gene Seberg from Breathless. Uh, yeah, oh. in fact, uh, a Kristen, um, uh, the, the Twilight Girl, uh, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart is playing her in a movie now. Oh. But yeah, I mean, Gene Seberg, you know, was a lumin- to the luminous definitely played there. <laughs> um, well, it was one of those big disaster movies from the 70s. Yeah. So those always had those was... huge ensemble casts, and it was always like there's 20 people on the poster. Wait, there's more. Alan yeah. Delon. Jack Lemon, yeah, Barbara Hale, Barry Nelson, the original James Bond. That's right. Gary Collins, Lee Grant, Lloyd Nolan, Robert Wagner, 
Susan Blake. I mean, this is insane. Wow. I yeah. mean, you know, probably anybody young listening to this is like, who are these people? All the stars you know, in but, the I mean, this is, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is crazy. Oh, I mean, we talked about the Dirty stars. Dozen a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, and we said, oh, you know, more stars than there are in heaven. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, this is. I mean, yeah. And those were those great one sheets, as you said, where they had the little boxes of the stars oh, along right, the yeah. bottom. Right. That every movie in the '70s, all these movies, the Irwin Allen movies, and everything, had those great like picture boxes. Right. You know, with like the big the, <laughs> tub thumping the cast. You know, Meteor with John <laughs> Connery and <laughs> Brian Keith, and you know, it's just back like, when people yeah. thought that people went to the movies to see these people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they did. Yeah. But yeah. this was ending quickly. Yeah. yeah. The only person I think who could pull this off now would be like Quentin. You know, like yeah. because sure. it would be too Dude, expensive. Dude, I would pay real money to see a Quentin Tarantino airport movie. But it, but the thing with Quentin is it would be self-reflexive, and it would be a parody of that kind of thing, even right. if he were doing it seriously. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, no, no, it's 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 insane, and and. Uh, but but a great a great pick and of course you know infamously I'm surprised it took them four years to do a sequel because it wasn't until Airport 75 and then if anyone's read uh, La La Land put out the soundtrack albums Jeff Bond oh. wrote these liner notes for Airport 77 and Airport 75 and I think it may have been the Concord 2 and Airport 79 they are I have not laughed that hard uh, <laughs> since uh, the Muppets French Connection I mean it is so funny. In terms of you know how he analyzes these movies and the progressive diminishment of their quality, right. uh, it's remarkable. Which is the one with the planes on the bottom of the sea? That was seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Concorde got That's stuck true. in space. Right. See, I, I still remember the Oscars uh, that year, seventy uh, seven, when they were doing the the award for best costume design. And I, that was the big year of Star Wars, and I was right. a little kid, and I was like so excited, like Star Wars got to be nominated for. And, like I didn't know what the nominees were in advance because right. I was a kid. I <laughs> just like, who are the nominees going to be? Right. <laughs> is it going to be Star Wars? Yeah. And my dad is like, oh come on, Star Wars, you know. And they like, you know, Airport seventy seven, and these people walk out in pilot uniforms yeah. and stewardess. I'm like, come on, you're telling me you're going to give an Oscar to that's a stewardess uniform? <laughs> and then of course. It was Star Wars. Star Wars came out with stormtroopers and things and, and kicked Airport 77's ass. So there. Airport. Yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> Take crazy. that, Airport. <laughs> Take that, Airport. Yeah, because what are people talking about now? They ain't talking about Airport. Well, we are. Well, we, we are. are. Well, that's true. We are. And that was Airport 77, I mean. Right. Yeah. They've been to the well uh, a few at too least, many times yeah. at that point. Well, it was a third sequel. That always yes. sucks. It was the Return of the Jedi of, of Airport, airport right. movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of d- diminishing returns, but then but it would make Airport seventy five the Empire Strikes Back of uh, airport <laughs> right, which movies. is kind of awesome. <laughs> you could say that. So um, anyway, uh, Airport another great tri- tri- you know th- I mean this is another franchise. It was huge in the seventies, yeah. but I think you talk to most people now they have no idea they what have it no is. Idea. It was it spawned all those sequels. It spawned the airplane parody and right. its sequel. Right. I mean you know very. And arguably, it, it spawned the disaster movies that yep. came later. Oh, absolutely. Erwin Allen, yeah. his Poseidon Adventure came later. Yeah. And, earthquake. And Earthquake. And then there was a whole bunch that we forget about. Towering like, Inferno. You know, uh, the because, Swarm. Yeah, because then there was like, you know, uh, when, you know, time ran out and right. uh, the pl- time, the place that time forgot or, you know, the... I don't know. You're thinking of the land of the time. The land of time. It was a disaster. Okay, but there were a bunch of disasters. It was a disaster, but not that. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, know, anything that, you know, disaster porn. You know, it was disaster porn. So, anyway, it was very big in the 70s. What crash were you in? And then it kind of had had, um, a renaissance with the birth of CGI. 
Um, and then it kind of Independence Day, Armageddon. Well, certainly, but that was a more elevated form of of of, uh, um, but you know, basically combine like the classic fifty sci fi movies with also with disaster. I think more than that, you'd look at something like what Roland did with uh, um, the day after tomorrow, where it was like you know, adding the global warming component to it. But I I would say you know, deep impact. This stuff is you know, yeah, oh, deep impact is a good volcano is is a good example because that's like kind of a B kind of a classic. Throwback. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some volcano under LA. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's exploding. <laughs> oh no. Um, so anyway, great choice, uh, Ashley. Uh, we get Wednesday. to Wednesday. So will it be a plane? Will it be a train? Will it be an automobile for you? It was going to be a plane, but I feel like we kind of we brought it up. Um, I, I, my first choice was airplane. That was my first choice too. All right. Thanks, so Darren. we can keep talking about airplane. I have a feeling like I have a good feeling about Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. I could see airplane on Friday. Because the airplane is just so, I mean, it's a class. I, I think and that's a movie that stands the test of time even though I think that younger audiences aren't aware of it, but I mean, we grew up on it, loved yeah. it, saw it many times. Um, I think partially constantly bes- quotable. In yep. addition to airplane, it was parodying a lot of things that, like Saturday Night Fever and mm. and, and, and very seventies kinds of things. So Ashley's pick's going to be airplane to the sequel, then. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Shatner's in it. Well, they're going to save that for Shatner. Week. Save that for Shatner. Week, yes. uh, okay, so I have to ask the archivist. Archivist, yeah. uh, did we ever nominate Mad Max Fury Road? We didn't do that for post-apocalypse. We week? did the Road Warrior. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, then I. I spoiler alert. I uh, my pick uh, for planes, trains, and automobiles uh, leans heavily on automobiles and also like rock bands hanging off of dump truck. <laughs> uh, Mad Max: Fury Road, which was the first movie I saw in focus in I don't know how long. <laughs> Uh, let me just tell you, I went for years without glasses for my distance viewing, and, and when, the day that I got them, I went to see Mad Max Fury Road, and I was so delighted because now I, I remembered what it was like to actually see a movie. <laughs> um, Mad Max Fury Road was once described as a film about a very long U-turn, <laughs> uh, which I think is both fair and not fair at the same time. I happen to love Fury Road. I think that Tom Hardy is amazing in it. Um, it is obvious that it was a labor of love on George Miller's part. Uh, and just the just the sheer attention to detail that I think he brings to any film is, is fully on display. Mm-hmm. And not only does he have full command of what's happening with the, you know, the blazing car action in that film, he also, I think, does a really great job with the actors bringing out some just bonkers performances out of his supporting cast. And uh, I, I think um, wisely letting Tom Hardy kind of define his own Mad Max that still feels very much of a piece mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Mel Gibson right. version of the character. Um, you know, you you can't say enough about uh, just how gargantuan those chases feel, and really, it's one big chase, uh, and how kind of huge the. The, uh, the the action always is, but humongous without... you could say humongous, <laughs> the humongous. Yes, like walk away, but don't walk, drive because that's more exciting. Uh, but you never lose track of the geography, which is a feat in and of itself. There are so many action directors who have no idea how to situate you properly mm. inside of a scene, and George Miller is just um, amazing Master. at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Charlize Theron is fucking 
Oh, there I did it. See, I did it. A I Furiosa. got so excited. She's so great as she Furiosa. She is so great. That's what I meant to That's say. That's the Furiosa. most interesting part of the movie. Totally. Um, she's awesome. Um, it's just it's just weird. It's kind of wonderful. Um, you know, again, it's got a dude like playing a guitar, like hanging off a truck. I mean, it's just flamethrower guitar. Flamethrower yeah, guitar. It's, it's my favorite of the Mad Max yeah. movies. I, I think I think it's great. I love this movie. This was so. This was high on my list as well. And you know, obviously, you know, I'm a fan of Road Warrior and the Mad Max movies, mm-hmm. and and I had been anticipating this movie for years because very famously it was about to go into production. Uh, in 2001 right. when the terror attacks happened right. and they were going to be shooting in Africa and they decided it would be unsafe and, and then right. they were going to shoot it in Australia but they had all this rains and floods so everything was too green to shoot right. it. it. It's one of those movies that kept stopping and starting for years and years yep. until it finally got made. And I went into it with a mixture of uh, hope because I wanted it to be as good mm-hmm. as The Road Warrior but also fear, you know, that 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 great term, anticipointment. Like, mm, right? You know, yeah, is yeah. it going to be good? Is it going to suck? Uh, and I was so blown away by this movie. It was so relentlessly uh, entertaining and and imaginative. Like every shot seemed more had some new delight in it. Like whether it's some little piece of art decoration or some music cue or some performance, it was just. Stunningly gorgeous, beautifully put he together. He's my brother. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's 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 great. It's beautifully directed. And... I'm going to take a different road. <laughs> Holiday road. Oh, wrong, wrong. Mad Max. I wish I could Mad love Mad these Mad movies. Mm. Oh. I really do, because I see the enjoyment that you guys get out of them. I just can't go there, and I don't know why. No, no. I, it's funny you say that because I'm not a huge. Uh, Mad Max Road Warrior fan either. I really like Fury Road. I'm not a big Mad Max fan. I, I like it. Yeah. I I don't need to see it again. I, I I'm I'm just not. It, it, it doesn't it not doesn't push any of my yeah. buttons. I mean, I mean there we've are people all been through Guilty Pleasures Week. Yeah. Yeah, we absolutely. all had our confessions of <laughs> absolutely. movies. Yeah. But but know that yeah. I wish I could join you yeah. on this. On this. I mean, trip. there are people that swear by obviously you know Road Warrior, and I understand why people think it's brilliant. Sure. You know. Um, uh, well, know. to be fair, Road Warrior. I, I mean, uh, Mad Max. It's kind of dull. The first one. The first one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it has a great, it's kind of a, a sort of a long first two acts followed by an amazing third act. Hey, yeah, and it's got some cool stuff in it, but yeah. I remember seeing it. I didn't see it until after I had seen uh, The Road Warrior. Yeah. I, I remember seeing the posters for Mad Max in the Manassas Mall movie right. theater yeah. across from the Aladdin's Castle Arcade and seeing that picture of, you know, that it's just the one sheet is just Max mm-hmm. in all his leather. And I thought, and it, I was like, Mad Max, I, I didn't really want to see that. But then I saw Road Warrior in 82, and it right. just blew my mind. I loved it. And then uh, Beyond Thunderdome came out. I was really looking forward to that one and was, frankly, disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I've looked back at – looking back at Thunderdome, I think I appreciate it more now than I did at the time. Um, but uh, I So think, you're saying we should all just get Beyond Thunderdome. Yes, we should. <laughs> uh, I think the, uh, the first Mad Max still has – although I completely agree with your assessment – still has my favorite Mad Max moment. Uh, which is the very end mm. when he's got that guy who's kind of chained to the motorcycle the and he's like and the, the, the handcuffs and he's got like the hands in the hacksaw and he's <laughs> like, you know, this is high tensile steel. You can cut through it in 10 minutes. You can cut through your leg in, you know, in 10 seconds. And it's just, and he walks off and it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> so great. See, I always agreed with Darren that we don't need another hero. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Thursday, Thursday, oh, wow. Thursday's my day, baby. It's your day to shine. It's my day. Shine. I don't know about that. 
We need um, a train movie. We don't have a yeah. train movie. Oh, so no Die Hard 2 then for planes. Okay. Well, we, we have Under a, Siege 2. We, we have cars. We have cars. We have, um, we have airports. We have airplanes. But you know what we don't have? The taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Yeah, baby. Oh, my God. I, you know, I'm changing my pick. <laughs> yeah. I'm changing my pick. You know, we know what my pick was? My pick was... A great film noir from 1952 called The Narrow Margin, oh. which was uh, not the Gene Hackman one remake for Peter Himes in right. the 80s. This was one where the police have to escort uh, on a train because I love all these classic noirs yeah. on trains mm-hmm. back when Amtrak had dining cars. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, escort uh, this woman who was testifying against the mob and she was the the, the, the widow of a guy who had been killed and she, she had the information. And, of course, they're trying to figure out, uh, the, the mob's going to try and kill her on the train and, you know, the cops trying to decide who he can trust and she's trying to decide she, Charles McGraw who usually played the heaviest the lead in it has one of the most gorgeous one sheets of all time and it's a real pressure cooker directed by Richard Fleischer who later did Conan the Destroyer but also did the Vikings <laughs> anyway I, that was so my pick and then Ashley says the magic words which is the brilliant brilliant um uh, Lalo Schifrin. Th- taking Lalo a, Schifrin, yeah. No, it, it's, it's the, not. The, oh, the music. The music no, it's not. it's not. It's not Lalo Schifrin. Who is it? It's David Shire. Oh, my God, you're totally oh, right. Oh, yeah. Goodness. You're totally yeah. Right. yeah. It, 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 it's, um, yeah. It, it's, don't take that away from him. And uh, <laughs> is, is the taking of Pelham 1, 2, and 3, the great seminal New York train movie sure. uh, about Robert Shaw... Uh, is hijacking and holding for rants. It sounds like an absurd premise. By the way, this is not the Denzel Washington remake, which is crap. Uh, you know, Robert Shaw is hijacking a, a, a subway in New York, and Walter Matthau, who just wants to go home, <laughs> is the befuddled guy who has to figure it all out. And it may have one of the great endings of all time, yeah. which I will not spoil for you. But if you have not seen the taking of Pelham One Two Three, yes, the subways have gotten a lot cleaner in New York, <laughs> and it'd be a lot harder to hijack a subway train. But but not impossible. The movie holds up. Oh, well, yes. Let's go. We'll go take. Let's try it and see okay. if we can. You we'll first. just let them know. <laughs> We're going to hijack a train. We're not saying which one. We're not going to hurt anybody. We're not going to keep it. We just want to prove. We just want to do a podcast. It could be done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you know, we we recently did uh, Gene Hackman week, and uh, here in Taking a Pelham One Two Three, we have another one of those great movie stars who is you know not your classically handsome mm-hmm. movie star in, in Walter Matthau who's just one of those so you know, great. every man yeah. oh, you know, guy God, next door so just like you said just trying to get home you and know? of course he's Denzel Washington in the remake yeah. which is good right. show they would never cast Walter Matthau as the lead never. you know um, but I would like to see Denzel in uh, The Odd Couple yes <laughs> <laughs> or Grumpy too. Old Men but uh, he could play either role yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right the cruise ship didn't fall on me. I found the cruise ship. <laughs> um, what? What are you talking about? So now, Pelham uh, one two three is great. Pelham one two three, yeah. Yeah. One, two, three is great, and a great pick by Ashley for Thursday. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was so down Sneaking with in there. I was so down with narrow margin after airplane got snatched from my <laughs> yeah. uh, grasp, and then I was thinking about vacation, but yeah. I, I was like, eh. And, and and then it was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to go with Narrow Margin. I love Narrow Margin, but, oh, taking Pelham 1, 2, 3. Right. No question. One of the great train movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Narrow okay. Margin and not Strangers on a Train? 
Stranger Train we did during Hitchcock yeah, Week. Yeah, that was my And unlike you, I don't believe in uh, repeating myself. Some of us huh, obey the rules, Darren. <laughs> 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 We're rule followers here. Okay. Not everybody knows your rules. Um, <laughs> so Friday, I, I Friday. mean, like we, we've said this before, and I, I don't think it's a bad pick, is Airplane. Airplane is, you know, just... It's a beloved comedy that uh, uh, I'm sure will raise the ire of tons of millennials who find it politically incorrect and offensive. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, good. exactly. Cold got to be. <laughs> <laughs> I speak jive. <laughs> and, and that's Cut what the best hang. comedy... You know what I'm saying? You know, comedy isn't doing something right if it's not offending people. Of course, sections of it are word for word from a film called Zero yes, Hour yes. from oh, yeah. the 50s. Yes. Um, and it's... It's glorious, especially when you watch them next to each other um, and see the same scenes being played. Right. Almost the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and and how Airplane just gives it a little push into the absurd, and it's brilliant. Um, and it was it was a revelation watching it for the first well, time. And it's worth mentioning that Leslie Nielsen had done nothing but straight men yes. roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at him for Ben Planet, and he's like a plank of cardboard, right? Plank of wood, you know. And and in Airplane, he's so loose and so funny. And it's what but, we talked about. But he's not funny because he's playing it completely yeah, straight. Right. That's the yeah. secret. That's yeah. the secret yeah. sauce of those movies. Yeah. He's not yeah. trying to be funny these... at all. Yeah, the he's serious, dramatic actors, and that's yeah. why he works in in the Naked Gun movies as well. Right. Although I never found the Naked Gun movies as they funny aren't as successful as Airplane, as Airplane is, but they're yeah. still funny. Now it's Airplane with an exclamation point. Yeah, yeah. Airplane. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hair yeah. Israel, clean the clear the runway. Um, it, it's just it's what happened here. Well, <laughs> I mean, and, and <laughs> I think the dinosaurs. That's they got that, fat. And Peter and Graves is great. I mean, they're all the whole everyone and in Kareem Abdul Jabbar, who's oh going through goodness. a renaissance right yeah. now. Yeah, um, he's so funny, and the kid recognizes him. He's wearing his gym shorts. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I'm Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's an you like movies about. <laughs> it's such you like it when scraps it, rubs up and down on your leg. It's smart, dumb comedy. Yes, and the the dumbest comedy is the funniest when it's smart. <laughs> right. And the Zucker brothers were and Jim Abrams Zaz were just as smart as they come. And it's just super entertaining, laugh out loud, funny. They very very few movies that I think are as funny pound for pound as and Airplane. still hold up. That and scene still. you were talking about with uh, you you know have you have you ever. Uh, uh, been in a Turkish prison. Um, <laughs> that scene is in Zero Hour, and it starts out with the pilot asking, "You ever been in a cockpit before?" And it's exactly the same. <laughs> but but they just add these other questions that just push it into the oh, into the so into the disturbing. And well, maybe our pick should be so, Zero Hour. <laughs> it's so great. It's so well, yeah. And what's so great too is it's set in 1980, but then they're playing the whole World War II right, thing right, with Robert right, Hayes right, yeah. as though he's just you know been shot down right. over Rio, Rio Macho Grande, Macho Grande. Tell you what happened over Macho Grande. You know his drinking problem. I mean, and Julie Haggerty oh, she, is, is. Oh, just, she's so she's so good. So yeah. so perfect, and and it just shows what a fine line it is because of course Airplane Two is the antithesis, and we've talked about this on the show, it's just awful. And it just right, repeats yeah. the f- jokes from the first movie, but it doesn't work on any level. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting. Even with Shatner in it. Even with Shatner. Even with Shatner. Even with Shatner. Although he's the best thing about it. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, just, it's just brilliant. And it's, yeah. and it's brilliant because, as we were talking before, it, it plays everything straight except a couple things. And the, the tone of it looks exactly like Airport. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. They treat it exactly totally. like airport, yep. and it works so well that way. 
because it's it's not of its time. You just watch them as a double feature. But it also is, it, it's almost like a time capsule, but you have like stuff like the Harry Krishners and stuff. You watch right. it now, it's like, but it, you, it comes back, they were, you know, Harry Krishners were like on every corner in New York, you know, so it's right. like, it's so funny. And especially that, in airports. Yeah, yeah, and especially, right, in airports, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So very interesting. And, and you know, the whole smoke. Oh, even then smoking and he has the ticket that's the, on fire. And right. Just, <laughs> right. Just, uh, it's it's I'm just a hysterical movie and a, and a great choice. I mean, I think there are a lot of other movies we haven't talked about. Tucker, A Man is Dream, about right. the, uh, um, you know, uh, Tucker who invented the, um, what was the car? The famous Tucker. Tucker. The Tucker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Bridges, um, directed you. by Francis Coppola. Yeah, with the steerable headlights and, uh, and seat belts and yeah. uh, which is, all sorts it, of... Which is a good movie. It's not a it's great fine. movie. Joe Jackson did the score, though, interestingly yeah. enough. Um, well, you mentioned National Lampoon's Vacation. That was almost my choice because mm. it stars one of the most famous cars in film right. history, oh, the yeah. family truckster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a, fi- a fine Poor movie. Poor bastard kept up for... Five, maybe six miles. <laughs> there's Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> oh, God. Little Miss Sunshine, you right. know, there's... Uh, there's... Well, my, my other pick was almost the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, you know, with the Bluesmobile. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cop, cop tires, cop uh, suspension. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Well, uh, of course, the, you know, we've used this before, but that hasn't stopped me. Um, uh, from Russia you. with Love. Oh, yeah, well, I, I, I was going to say Goldfinger, but I, we picked it before. Car. Uh, uh, From Russia Love, great train movie. Um, yeah. uh, Golden Eye has a tank in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Franz You're a change of pe- before sunrise. Oh, oh that's oh, a okay. really interesting a choice. Terrific, well, you know, Ethan Hawke yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Julie Delpy. I'm surprised none of those movies have made the cut yet on any of our weeks. Yeah, those Richard Linklater uh, trilogy. Richard Linklater. That's one of the great underrated film trilogies of all time. Yeah. I, I think that's a great trilogy. Yeah, um, we. Uh, I don't think we could get out of this particular discussion without bringing up speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or oh. speed two on a boat. That's right. But, <laughs> trades on a boat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speed was like. No, speed is great. Yeah. Speed's a great choice. Yeah. yeah. Keanu Reeves, like. Although I don't see buses anywhere in this yeah. list. Well, back like, to the future. He, sometimes to get to the plane, you have to get on the bus. Oh, to that's go true. from the parking lot yeah. to the. Yeah. Back to the Future yeah. Three is a car on a bus, on a, a train, a car on a train. Right. So it's two of the three. Well, there's a there's a great airplane movie that we haven't talked about that has one of the great the right movie stuff. twists. Executive decision. Executive decision. Executive decision. Oh. Executive decision. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. In its time, there's Steven Seagal, yeah. who was a huge movie star when that movie yes. came out. Someone yeah. needs to make an executive decision here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Gene Hackman was in that. Um, it's like Die Hard on a Plane. Yeah, basically. yeah. well, but that was the era of Die Hard on the Plane. Yeah. yeah, but it's a terrific action thriller. Did you also well, have Air Force good. One, which was yeah, Die exactly. Hard. Air, Air, Force Air Force One. Someone needs to land Air Force <laughs> One. <laughs> um, uh, one of my favorite kind of 80s train movies, uh, uh, um, the remake of Narrow Margin with Ann Archer and Gene Hackman. Andre Konchalovsky's Runaway oh, Train. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With yeah. John Voight and Eric Roberts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. one? The, the original or the remake? You know, I like both of them. I, I like really the like the remake better, actually. Yeah. Oh. Kenneth although, remake. Although yeah. It, uh, the remake just sort of spells out to me really bad visual effects. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. but, Acting-wise and direction-wise, it's brilliant. I with, love it. With yeah. The problem with the remake, which I like quite a bit, and I like the cast quite a bit, mm-hmm. is like, oh, this is a movie, so we have to open it up. So they have the train, 
uh, stuck on the trestle, and right. they have this big chase scene, right? Uh, you know, on the trestle, like right. because we have to make it bigger right, because yeah. we can't just be on the train, right? But uh, but I like I like the remake. The original has a great cast, though. Absolutely. It has one of those great casts. Absolutely. Um, well, then there's the great World War II movie, The Train. Oh yeah, Burt Lancaster. Yeah, Burt Lancaster. Before Burt he was Lancaster. in airport, he was on the train. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's all those car rally movies from oh, the seventies. Like Gumball rally. Gumball rally. Love that. Oh, my oh, Bandit. Okay. Had the Italian job. Yes. And there's yes, one yes. that came out the same era. The big bus. The big bus. Why do they call you shoulder powered bus? And then there was an entire sort of the disaster movie combined with the car running movie. Right. The uh, the subgenre of horror where vehicles ran amok. So there was Christine. Yeah. There was the car. Oh yeah. The hearse. There was a hearse too. And there was Duel. Duel. Yeah. Duel. I think Duel is the only thing that potentially could unseat Airplane for Friday. Not snakes on a plane. But the problem with Duel is <laughs> Duel was it's a TV, TV movie. But it was released in theaters Doesn't in count. In we Europe. record in Los Angeles in America, baby. <laughs> That's right. We're not in one of those foreign lands. And yet you were going to do uh, Buck Rogers. I was? Yeah. But that was released domestically in, in theaters before, before it was on it TV. On so take that, Mr. Doctorman. Yeah. I'm going to be snippy with you. Buddy. I will take that. And I'm gonna one, two, three. <laughs> and don't forget Buster Keaton's The General. Oh, The General's a great choice. Yeah. Shh, talk about that. That's yeah. a movie that's as funny as Airplane. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. And, and he did all his own stunts. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a little dated, unfortunately, because he's working with the, he's actually helping the, the, the Confederate <laughs> Army. Right. Uh, uh, you know, defeat the Union. You know, uh, uh, you know, because he's. Uh, but well, thank goodness still, he didn't succeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> one man can't make a difference. Drive. But, uh, and we, Nick Redman's drive. drive. Oh, I love Drive. Yeah. And that first 10 minutes oh, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I, and I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the Fast and the Furious yep, movies. True. Do we have popular. to? Yeah, especially the to. especially the first one. I like or, the first yeah. one. And I, I like the fifth one. Yeah, I like the first one and ideas. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen. I, yeah, I Tokyo just, Drift is actually really good. I, I just I find that those movies everything is wrong with film <laughs> these days in America family. these days. I just find them. Uh, it's just, about family. I, I, I find them. I find them. Everything insipid about the. Uh, um, never mind. I I, I think that more than any other franchise, they epitomize everything that's wrong with uh, movies in the 21st century. You know, but what if the Mucks were in them? (laughs) Well, that (laughs) that would be great. Fast and the Furry. (laughs) (laughs) It's about family. (laughs) Oh my God! Yeah, you know, and who would be the Rock? Who Hobson? You know. Well, uh, the Rock is is Fozzie. You think? Absolutely, and uh, and uh, um, you know, and Vin, Vin Diesel will be Vin the American Honest, Eagle. Honestly, Sam Vin, Eagle. I Sam think Eagle. that since you need to have a human guest star, a human. I, I, I think that The Rock would actually be the best choice for like any actual oh, person. He, I could see like him on the Muppet, Muppet Show. Right? I he could would see be, him. Yeah. he would be the human being in <laughs> the Muppet movie. The Rock. <laughs> you know, we did this last week. We, in the eleventh hour, we derailed our show into a, <laughs> well uh, into the Muppets. Well, any show to derail a show. And trains and automobiles. Okay, anyway. So, Monday. Monday is American Graffiti. Tuesday. Airport. On Wednesday. Mad Max, Furry Road. Thursday. (laughs) It's the taking of Pelham. One, two, and three. No bloody four, no bloody five, (laughs) no bloody six. And Friday 
It's airplane exclamation points. Right. See, that was a good week. That was a good, yeah, it's a good, good week, week of films. Yeah, it really took us places. Felt <laughs> <laughs> oh, like we've gone on a journey together. <laughs> well, now at this point, we need to come down for a landing because we have exhausted. We're exhausted our time here. Luckily, we have this podcast to be the vehicle to take us there. Oh. Thank you. But I want to thank you for joining us All for playing trains for and automobile entertainment. <laughs> You want to re-record from the beginning? <laughs> and now here's Steve Melching. All aboard. I'm turning this podcast around. <laughs> We're going backwards. You know, Lost was released theatrically overseas. Thanks for joining us for the 430 movie. If you're a fan of this podcast, still, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts and Glorious Trexperts this Saturday and every Saturday and The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday. And, of course, Best Movies Never Made every other Monday. And we'll soon be changing this show to Best Podcasts Never Recorded. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Very special thanks to Bill Ritter, who makes us sound so good, our sound engineer and mixer, and, and, and Natalie. So we got to ask, planes, trains, and automobiles, Bill Ritter, what's your pick? I don't know, does the aviator work? Oh, it oh, sure does. The aviator yeah. about Howard Hughes, directed by the brilliant Martin Scorsese. Another fine pick. I think we're getting shown up on our own show here. Oh, I, I like that movie. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying it's a great Good choice. We, we, we didn't mention it. He's, he's, he's making us look bad. Yeah. Uh, and Natalie, what about you? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, another oh, great yeah. choice. Great. Catch me if you can. The Spielberg uh, DiCaprio. film. DiCaprio. That's a good right. one. That movie made and that Tom guy Hanks. who hadn't been in an airport in like 30 years. It made yeah. me really miss Pan Am. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which you can reenact the Pan Am experience downtown apparently yeah, in LA I, now. I think my brother, my sister and brother-in-law did that. And there's a TW hotel, TWA hotel right, in, the uh, in, in the Old Terminal 5 and at JFK. Right. I got to do that one day. Yeah. The great choices from- uh, Maybe uh, we should do a live podcast from the TWA hotel. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Great. It's TWA week here <laughs> on right. the- uh, Movies <laughs> with TWA. Anyway, thank you everyone <laughs> who helped make this podcast happen. Uh, made it fly. So uh, until next week, uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next Friday and every Friday. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now. Today's episode is brought to you by the Colonial Movers of Caprica. We move anywhere. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.